0: Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Well, it's the Retire Smarter Podcast, and we're going to help you do just that on today's show, Retire a Little Bit Smarter, with Kevin Krosky, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design. I'm Walter Storhold. Kevin serves you throughout Northeast Ohio. and We've got another great show on the docket today. Kevin, what's going on in your world? I know getting recovered from a little cold, a little transition in the weather got you down a little bit?
1: Well, I don't know if it's a transition in the weather or it's the fact that I have a six year old that goes to school. <laughs> so, you know, there's germ factories that they go to every day and then they bring home and pass around the house. But, uh, apparently one of the bugs took me down and took down the whole household. So, We've been, We uh, actually keeps getting passed around, so hopefully I'll be saved on the second go around here, but feeling better today.
0: Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, I guess when when we have kids, I have something to look forward to now. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Bring these yeah. little germ machines into the house, right?
1: Yeah, you know, the first week we took our daughter to, uh, it, was, it wasn't even preschool, but uh, we took her to a Montessori school, a socialization, get out there, get learning and what have you. And, um, you know, my wife works out of our house, uh, basically as a full-time mom. And the first week we took our daughter to the Montessori school. I mean, she came home with uh, cold sores and all kinds of stuff. I mean, she had been in this beautiful little bubble for the first couple of years. And then, you know, as first time parents, we're just like freaking out. Like, what did we do? We took our child out of the bubble and she's okay.
0: Oh man. So you just got to get them all dirty, you know, like at you know, two months old. Just go ahead and just start rolling them around in the dirt outside and getting them exposed to all sorts of stuff, so they build those antibodies up early, early on.
1: Get to get our dogs to uh, to get their saliva. Yeah, there them, you guys. go.
0: That'll get them in good shape real fast. Real fast. <laughs> Too funny. Well, we had planned to spend a little bit of time on our December episodes, diving into talking about uh, some retirement care communities and some other kind of you know peripheral retirement planning type discussions. But you've been getting a lot of people coming into the office, Kevin, with lots and lots of questions about taxes, and since it is the end of the year, and I know that this just really gets you going talking about taxes and how to really build the most efficient tax plans for people We decided to devote this month to continuing that conversation about how to focus on these tax issues, bringing up some of the nuances that you kind of talked about in our previous episodes, which, by the way, if you haven't checked out some of the most recent episodes, be sure to do that. Uh, Go check out the one that was uh, just two episodes ago called the Details in a Tax Smart Retirement Distribution Plan. That's uh, episode 31. Go check that one out and listen to it as well. We're going to go into some of the details that we didn't get into on that show for today, so I know that you just uh, you're a rare breed, Kevin. You get excited about taxes, but you do it so that your clients, you know, don't have to worry about getting excited about a topic that most people don't want to dive deep into.
1: You know the the way that we got into this a little quick backstory. Uh, so I started the business in 2007, and we just had questions that came up from clients. What's going to happen to my withholding if you go ahead and put a lot more money in my 401k like you're telling me to do for tax reasons and or hey, we're going to go ahead and sell this holding over here. Or clients come in and start working with us, and they were back in 2007 getting pummeled um, with capital gain distributions from tax inefficient mutual funds because the market had run up pretty strongly from about 2003 through 2007 after the tech bubble burst, and then a lot of these funds were you know the tax bill kept getting larger and larger, so you know, clients didn't know why, and um, and frankly. You know, going through the Certified Financial Planner program, and we we learned about taxes and get tested on it. But you know, that theory to take it into practice, uh, a lot of times there's a there's a gap that's there, and there's some learning that's required. And so, frankly, I mean, I have a, a former physics teacher, so I like to solve problems, and I've always been one to just kind of crack open a book or. You know, read something and be able to learn and teach myself. And, uh, and that's what I did. So, uh, I remember years ago, I just bought a license for some tax planning software that's commonly used in CPA firms. And I just started putting in prior year tax returns for clients and then doing a lot of what if. And then if there wasn't something that, like I would make a, a guess and say, I'm going to make this change. And here's what I think is going to happen. And if that didn't happen, I would do more digging and often filling out the tax forms by hand. So I would learn. And yeah, that shows what a crazy fun guy I am, I suppose. <laughs> but literally, it just it, it gave me what it gave me a lot more confidence, too. I, you know, I learned this stuff and um you know, I, I know a lot about uh, particularly individual income tax. Uh, business income tax is something different, and certainly it's a lot more vast uh, in a lot of different ways. We'll talk a little bit about that over the next couple episodes, but it's just something that, I, frankly, I thought you had to do. And we've talked about this in the past, but you know, your taxes are certainly related to your cash flow. Uh, that episode, two episodes ago, the one that you mentioned, I went through an example, and uh, I can't remember the fake name that we used for the client, but you know, he was had his own spreadsheet, and he was using some assumptions on tax for his spending and Basically, I walked through the example uh, in the podcast episode and showed how he was going to run out of money about five years sooner because he didn't know really what he was doing tax wise, and and that's one example. But there's all kinds of others we can get into, uh, and and frankly had gotten into during that episode. So your cash flow is really important. You know, you when you're working, you have your take home pay. If you don't have any money really outside of your 401k or what have you, that's what you're living on. You know, you put money in the 401k, you got some pre tax deductions, you get some tax withholding, payroll tax withholding, uh, and then you get your take home pay. And if you spend it all, then, well, we know how much you spent. We may not know where it went exactly, but we know how much you spent. And then when you get into retirement, your spending is going to change. Uh, here in Ohio, we have the uh, unfortunate event of paying local income taxes. That's really only on earned income. So those go away. Some, so, Social Security is taxed differently. You know, you actually have a lot more flexibility now in retirement because, you know, you have maybe IRA money, maybe Roth IRA money, money down at the bank that's already been taxed, and so you have a lot more control over what actually is going to hit your tax return and how you're going to recreate that cash flow. And so, as you have uh, you know, this tax smart distribution plan and have a lot of flexibility. Certainly knowing the tax consequences of things, it fits into the cash flow, into the planning, into you know how soon you could retire or how long your money's gonna last or how much you can afford to spend. It just all goes hand in hand. So uh, literally when I got into the business, I just saw how it fit together. And I said, Hey, I, I don't I have some theoretical knowledge. I don't have the practical knowledge, so I better get it. And so that's what we did. And then just over those years, uh, we just developed a pretty good expertise in it and all the way to actually preparing client tax returns these days. So I saw an industry study just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we have these you know, benchmarking studies what have you you know, what are different firms doing and the stat that I saw was uh, only seven percent of firms are actually doing tax work for their clients uh, so that's a very small mi- minority I would say and I would say even if when you look inside of that 7%, seven percent seven
0: you gotta say, say that 7%, seven percent that's it
1: seven percent yes yeah it's anytime even if we hire a certified financial planner that has experience coming from say another firm, rest assured we know that we're going to have to go ahead and train them on tax because it just they just didn't get it somewhere else even if they talk about it a little bit they don't really know how to go ahead and synthesize this stuff and how to forecast it and really incorporate it into a tax smart retirement plan so that kind of sets the stage for what we're going to go through in this episode and next we'll talk about some of the stuff to be mindful about talk about some of the basics about how this works but then uh, in the next episode, we'll just go through, we've had you know, some interesting cases recently. I'm just going to talk through one of those cases. And there's some different competing objectives that the client has, some different opportunities that they have. And so how do we actually kind of think through that in a smart way to go ahead and make the client's plan work, but also prioritize, say, tax planning move A over tax planning move B? And, and why did we do those sorts of things? So it's just, you know, knowledge is one thing. Uh, I don't, I can't remember. I blooms taxonomy. So here I'm going to nerd out again for a moment, but, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's just kind of like, you know, as you go up the pyramid, it's, it's higher order thinking. So episode one, we'll just start talking about some of this stuff and, um, you know, what goes into what sort of some of the tax moves that you can do. You know, what are some of the things to be mindful about? And what I would say is the vast majority of financial advisors that are out there, if they are talking about taxes, that's all the further that they're going to go. They're not really going to go ahead and start doing this stuff and synthesizing this stuff and don't really know the details that go into it because, again, there's such a small portion of the financial advisor population that are doing this. If you listening to other podcasts or seeing other articles, more likely than not you're going to see some sort of disclaimer of, you know, you know, this is not tax advice, talks to your tax professional or something of the sort, but we do that work. So we do it firsthand. So that's what we'll be getting into talking about some of the key things that probably you're hearing from other people, but then we're going to make the bridge and make the leap and move up Bloom's taxonomy to go ahead and talk through a case. So you can actually see how some of these things are, you know, what opportunities a client has, which ones are maybe better than others when both of them look good and how we prioritize and how that fits into their overall plan.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear about the stuff. (laughs) I love how you drop, you know, "Eh, casually we're going to talk about some stuff today. And then what was the other – and then all of a sudden you say Bloom's taxonomy? Is that the – Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah. So stuff, and then blooms taxonomy. It's like
1: <laughs> yeah, I got the bases covered.
0: You're in shorts time. and a t-shirt, and then you immediately like morph into you know wearing wearing a suit. <laughs> you know, like you <laughs> class it up real fast. You know, so I love it. You know how to talk to all kinds of folks. Uh, by the way, quick side note: Do you know uh, Randall Monroe? Is that name familiar? Does to him? Not. So you should uh, you should check out his book. What if? Just, I didn't know the piece about you being a high school physics teacher. I maybe had forgotten it from when we talked about it a long time on an episode, but I'd forgotten that detail about you. But given that you've got that physics background, you love the details, and you like scenarios and stuff like that, and probably I'd imagine a lot of our listeners might get a kick out of this too, go check out his book, What If? So he's a cartoonist that does like stick figure cartoons. And he's got a website, I think, and that was what was well known as XKCD, XKCD. Now, I didn't know him from the comics. I just knew him from this book. But it's taking some of his best comics plus some extras, and he built this book. And it's all answering life's most ridiculous questions. So questions that readers or, or you know, anybody will ask him, like, what would happen if you, you know, like, literally, he takes the questions literally. Like, what would happen if you tried to dig all the way through to the other side of the world. And he would literally talk about the physics behind how it would actually happen, what would happen to you as you went through it, just little things like that. Or if you threw a baseball at the speed of light, what would happen to the batter? And so then he talks about the nuclear fission that would then happen and the impacts on the batter that it would occur in nanoseconds. And But he does it also very funny with comics all the way throughout too. So you get a real good kick out of it. Definitely check it out. What if, and he just came out with a new book too that I haven't read yet, but I think it's called uh, How To which is very similar in its style. So,
1: I like his titling, What If and How To. It's very easy to remember. Much better than what was the, uh, the podcast episode we said, Details of a Tax Smart Retirement Distribution Plan. <laughs> I, I can learn something from him. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's also all of his titles are in lowercase. For everything he does, everything's in lowercase, no capitals in his titles or anything. So super basic, super basic, but... Yeah. Anyway, check it out. Uh, in fact, I'll put a link in the uh, description of the show today. We'll give them some free publicity. Um, if you want to go check it out, I'll, I'll link out to one of those books if you want to go check it out. It was a really good read. I, I really enjoyed it. So I think somebody with your brain would also get a kick out of it. So, uh, But let's get to the stuff first. So let's keep it simple, right? Let's get to the stuff on today's episode before we get to the taxonomy on the next episode. What kind of stuff are we dealing with?
1: We're going to go to the stuff. So we'll just start with, uh, you know, the thing that we all know and love, our 1040, our tax return that we file every year. And the one that I'm going to refer to, uh, at least kind of describe in my mind and through the podcast is what the return looked like in 2017, 2018. It got this makeover. And uh, my understanding is that the IRS is kind of going back to what it looked like in 17 because I I don't know why. I personally did not like the 18 return. It was confusing and things were hidden and put on different schedules. So we're going back to our simple two-pager for our tax return. And when you look on that first page, certainly it's kind of name rang, serial number at the top part of that. But then you get to your gross income, so gross income from all sources whether you know wages from working you could have rental property income you could have lottery winnings you could federal return if you get a state income tax refund you have to pick it up as income as well but all that is your your gross income income from all sources it could also be you know you have a, a trust account with investments in it kicks off different distributions of taxable income it you know dividends qualified or non-qualified interest what have you so that's the top part of it that's the first part of the equation here and and i guess a quick side note when you're working and you have your gross income let's say that your salary is a hundred thousand dollars you are putting money into your 401k plan on a pre-tax basis so that Pre-tax contribution to your 401k, uh, it's not gonna show up on the first page of your tax return. It's not gonna show up on your tax return at all, quite frankly, it's gonna show up on your W-2 but not on your tax return. Uh, And that's because it's just subtracted out pre-tax before you do get paid. Now you contrast that with a deductible IRA contribution if you can do that, and that's actually gonna be an adjustment to your income on the first page of the tax return which we'll get to in a moment. So gross income, income from all sources. And then you get down to the bottom of this page one and get into those adjustments. So the adjustments to income, it could be a self-employed health insurance deduction. You know, Whenever you're working and you have uh, this money being deducted pre-tax, similar to the 401k, the 401k is deducted before federal and most state income taxes, not all state income taxes, but most, but it is not deducted before payroll taxes. And so well, I want to overly complicate things here, but the 401k is before income tax, not payroll tax. If you have health insurance as an employee that you're contributing to, you are taking those, actually your employer is taking those deductions both before income as well as payroll taxes. Uh, so A little bit of a difference, but uh, if you're not an employee and you're self-employed, well, the IRS kind of, you know, makes up for the the loss of this pre-tax deduction and pre-payroll tax deduction here by putting it as an adjustment. Some other things, again, IRA deduction at least if there were um, say alimony payments that's there's been a change here more recently where those are no longer deductible but if you had an agreement you know say pre-2018 those payments were deductible you know there's some other adjustments you could have as well but so you have gross income you subtract out any adjustments and then you get to your agi or adjusted gross income and the AGI is important because there's a lot of things in the tax code that are based on this. There's fewer more today, you know, post-tax reform, but there's still a lot of uh, things that are based on it. One of the things that comes into play for a lot of our clients in retirement is uh, something called IRMA. And this isn't the hurricane that ripped through Florida a couple years ago and engulfed the, the entire state causing billions of dollars of damage, this is uh, the income-related Medicare adjustment. So it's called IRMA uh, for short. Um, But basically, once you're 63, IRMA can go ahead and cause your Medicare premiums for Part B and Part D to be higher. So we'll talk about that a little bit, but again, that is actually based on your adjusted gross income. So AGI, if you can lower it, that tends to be a good thing for tax planning, but you don't pay tax on your gross income, you don't pay tax on your adjusted gross income, and uh, you actually pay tax on your taxable income, which is next. But before we get to taxable income, there's also something else. And Walter, uh, I know you talk with a lot of financial people, such as myself. Let me uh, let me see how much you've learned over the years. Oh boy, what's between adjusted gross income and taxable income?
0: <clears throat> you uh, broke up a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Seven percent. I know a lot of those guys. Maybe just 7%. talking about this stuff. But let's
0: see. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to blame it on them for not teaching me, rather
1: than my own. There you uh, go. Economics. So you told me last time. Every time we're done talking, <laughs> you feel a little bit smarter. So this is your big takeaway. This today. is my so, moment today. Yes, let's do it. All right. So uh, you have your standard deduction, just something the IRS gives for to you, just for being you, Walter. Yeah. And in fact, because you're married. It's actually doubled. So the amount for 2019 is 24400 If you're both better than 65, it's uh, another 1300 per person or 27000 So let's go back through this example. Let's say you have $100,000 of income hitting your tax return. If you were to have any adjustments, you would subtract those out. Let's just assume that you don't. Uh, they're not necessarily all that common. You get down to your adjusted gross income. We're still at 100000 and now you go ahead and you take your standard deduction. I'm just going to use round numbers here. These numbers change every year based on inflation, but just to kind of keep the podcast more accessible, let's just round it up and call it 25,000. So you have 100 minus 25. Then you get to your taxable
0: income, which is what you pay tax on, and that's 75,000. You with me? I'm with you. And I'm I'm actually in that camp that was itemizing for many years. And uh, then last year it changed and the standard deduction became best option.
1: You're right. So uh, the Tax Cuts and Job Act was passed in very late 2017. It was really applicable for individual income taxpayers uh, in 2018. There's a few things that impacted businesses in 17. But for 18, uh, historically about 30% of the population itemized And I believe the numbers came in last year, only around 10% of the people itemized. And and in fact, uh, you know, most of the people that are listening to this probably at some point in time, at least when they were working, were probably itemizing and uh, the standard deduction was a lot lower. And then you had something called personal exemptions that they added on to it. Uh, Those exemptions are now gone and there's just a higher standard deduction. So, uh, only 10% of the people are itemizing. So that's going to be one of the planning things that we're going to talk about, because if you're close to itemizing, maybe there's some things that you can do to get there. But, but before we do that, let's talk about what some of those deductions are. So uh, if you, the old schedule a, I think it, I can't even remember what they called it in last year. For years, it was called Schedule A, but um, maybe it's Schedule 1 now. But all the different itemized deductions you have. So if we just kind of run through a few of the big ones, if you have mortgage interest, that tends to be a big one that's on there. Uh, It's now, that's changed too. So it's basically the first $750,000 is deductible. So if you have a bigger mortgage, then maybe not all of it is deductible. If you're charitably inclined uh, that's a deduction that you have on your federal return as well some of the things that went away if you had unreimbursed business expenses uh, that's no longer a deduction Uh, your real estate taxes your state and local taxes as well basically the acronym for this are your salt taxes and uh, those are now capped at at only ten thousand dollars so You know, here where we are in Ohio, we tend to have uh, reasonably high property taxes. Uh, It's not like we're New Jersey or something like that, but uh, we have several clients that their property tax bill alone is more than $10,000 per year. And then maybe they're paying local taxes, maybe they're paying state income taxes. And literally, we could have, say, a two doctor family. This local tax is two and a quarter, they're paying about 5% for state. And, you know, they could be paying $50,000 in those state and local income taxes and say another 10 or so on property taxes. Well, with tax reform, they're now capped at only 10000 And a lot of people thought like, wow, you know, hey, we're really going to get hurt here. But I can tell you, I don't know, we probably ended up doing about 60 tax projections for clients in the fourth quarter uh, last year and a similar amount this year. I don't think we had a single client that ended up being worse off. Um, And that was a big concern for a lot of people in that example that I just gave. But it just, because the brackets were more favorable and the rates were a little bit lower, everybody just kind of ended up working out to the good. If they were in a different state, higher property taxes, higher income tax state, New Jersey, California, things like that, that definitely could not have been the case. Uh, but for literally, I think it was every single one of our clients that we looked at, uh, we were somewhat surprised at first, but nobody was really hurt uh, by that limitation, at least here in the great state of Ohio. So some other things that could be on there, your, your medical expenses. Now, again, when you're working, what I had suggested was, you know, when you're working, your employer is deducting anything that you're paying Pre-tax from your pay for your health insurance, you don't get to go ahead and itemize that because uh, you're already you're not paying taxes on that money. It's not after-tax money, so it's a pre-tax deduction. So you can't double count it. Um, however, once you get into retirement, let's say that you know, let's say that you're 16, you retire, and now you go on to Cobra, and uh, Cobra you basically continue your employer's health insurance for up to 18 months or 36 months if if you met a disability qualification. But basically now you're using after-tax money to go ahead and pay those premiums. So now those could potentially be itemized along with some of these other deductions that you have. And this year in 2019, uh, you have to get over 10% of that AGI or that adjusted gross income. So let's put some numbers on this real quick. Let's say that AGI is that $100,000 that I mentioned. Ten percent. Here, Walter, I'll toss you a softball now. Ten percent of a hundred
0: thousand dollars is. Oh, we've got we've got ninety right there. <laughs> well, 90000 90, Well, t- well. Oh, 10% wait, 10 percent of a hundred. 90, 90, ninety left. Ninety left. Ninety left. I was right, making so it harder than it needed to be. I was subtracting already, and uh, you, you overthought. I it. was overthinking yes. the question there. I
1: I knew yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. So ten percent of a hundred thousand is ten thousand. So if your medical premiums are over ten thousand, which sadly these days is not all that uncommon, um, you know, if you and your spouse are paying say fifteen thousand dollars, then the amount over ten thousand or the five thousand. Would be countable as an itemized deduction. So again, you add all this stuff up: the ten thousand for the salt deductions. Uh, if you do have some mortgage interest, uh, again on the first seven hundred and fifty. If you are charitably inclined, uh, if you do have some amounts over that ten percent of AGI for medical, those are really the, the the itemized deductions that you could have there. So if those amounts get over the twenty four four or 27,000 if you're 65 and better for both of you, married filing jointly, then then there you go. You go ahead and you itemize. But again, only about 10% of the population is doing that. So this is some of the stuff. This is the basic essential framework of a tax return and how it works. And so now that you have that simple equation, gross income minus adjustments gets you to adjust the gross income minus your, either your standard deduction or your itemized deduction gets you to taxable income. And the taxable income is what you pay tax on. So very simple, very important framework. Now that we get to taxable income, two other concepts come into play. And uh, one is just some basic bracket management. So what I mean by that is our tax system is progressive in nature. So the first you know, dollars of income are taxed at a lower rate than the higher income you get, the more you pay and the higher rate that you pay. Uh, and so it's just how our tax system works, right? Uh, so the people that do very well have to pay a higher rate and pay a bigger share of the total income tax that Uncle Sam collects. And just to give some examples here, again, I don't want to just start spewing a bunch of numbers, but when you look at, say, the first bracket is 10%. And that's, I'm going to use round numbers here. These numbers change every year. And I can tell you after you know practicing for a number of years, uh, you you just go to your tax card because again, every year you have inflation and then the tax brackets adjust with inflation. But I'm just going to use round numbers. And in terms of round numbers, the first $20,000 of taxable income is taxed at a 10% rate. So you could have $20,000. In fact, what did we just say? You could be married filing joint and you get a $24,000 standard deduction. So you could actually have 20 plus 24 or about $44,000 and you're still only paying a 10% tax rate. And again, it's only uh, that first 24 is not taxed. Remember that deduction that the IRS gives you, it just kind of comes off the top there. So the first 20 is at a 10% rate. Again, this is married filing jointly. And then you call it the next 60 or from amounts from 20 to 80,000 is taxed at a 12% rate. So you go from 10 to 12, not a huge jump, You know, only a 2% rate differential there. And again, if you have, uh, and this is something really important for most people to think about because this really does encompass many, many of our clients. But if you have $80,000 of taxable income and you add the standard deduction on top of it, and again, I'm just gonna use some round numbers here, let's say it's 25,000, you can have $105,000 of income hitting your tax return, in retirement or whenever, and you're not paying any higher rate than 12%. So a lot of people don't understand that. And they think that, hey, they're paying a lot more than that. But think about this for a moment. You know, you're in retirement, you paid off your mortgage, uh, maybe even have all of your money in an IRA because that's what you should have done. And, you know, you, you got the match on the employer 401k and what have you, and you did that for all those years. You get into retirement, um, a lot of your expenses are are a little bit lower, you're not having to do some of the things that you did before, and you can have $100,000, $105,000 of income from your 401k or IRA, all these accounts that have yet to be taxed, hitting your tax return, you you get 25 grand-ish off the top, and then your taxable income, you're paying either a 10 or 12% tax rate. And in fact, if you actually look at the amount of tax that you're gonna pay, it's about $9,000 to the federal government. So you have 105 hitting your return. You pay nine thousand. You know you're paying less than a, if you think of an effective tax rate. You just take that whole gross income that's hitting your tax return, and you go ahead and divide that into the tax that you paid. You know it's something less than nine percent. You know not too shabby. You can have quite a good lifestyle. You get 105. Let's just round it up and let's say it's ten thousand. 105 minus ten in tax that you pay. You can spend ninety five thousand a year or almost eight thousand dollars a month no mortgage, can have a pretty good lifestyle, wouldn't you say, Walter?
0: Yeah. I, I like how those numbers come together when you put it that way. So that's that
1: applies for a, a lot of our clients. But when you get up out of that 12% bracket, you know, you go from 10 to 12, it's only a 2% increase. You go from t- over 12, well, here you have a much bigger increase and it goes to 22%. So Quite a big jump, you know. You're going from 12. uh, It's a 10% increase all the way up to 22, and so a lot of the planning that we'll often do is just try to manage around that. You know, sometimes uh, we'll be in, client will be in retirement, and you know, most of the money's in the the yet to be taxed IRA, and we're pulling money out, and we want to fill up that low bracket, but we don't want to go over it because it's fairly punitive going from 12 to 22. So maybe we just go ahead and draw down our Our money at the bank that's already been taxed, maybe we draw that down a little bit more. Maybe we take some money out of a Roth IRA uh, that is tax-free forever and doesn't show up on our tax return as taxable income. But that threshold going from 12 to 22 is pretty important. So that's kind of what we would call bracket management. Not a big difference going from 10 to 12, pretty big difference going from 12 to 22. And uh, for married filing jointly, I'm just going to kind of use married couples as an example here. But um, single, at least up to this point, all the numbers that I've used for married filing jointly, just half it. That doesn't hold true as you get higher up into uh, the tax brackets, but that's been true so far. So twenty-two percent, that tax rate goes up to about one hundred seventy thousand in taxable income. So again, if you have the standard deduction added on to it, one seventy plus again round numbers 25 or at one ninety-five. You're still not paying, you know, any higher than a twenty-two percent tax rate. And then after twenty-two, you get to twenty-four. And 24 again, 22 to 24, not a big jump, right? Only another two percent increase, and 24 goes all the way up to 321,000 of taxable income, and this was one of the big changes that happened uh, with tax reform in in 2017. If we go back, you know, we go kind of uh, use back to the future here for a moment and go back to 2017 if you had $80,000 of taxable income, so that was a number that we uh, were just kind of illustrating 80,000 taxable income, you're paying a tax rate of 25% on those last dollars, 25%. And now you can have taxable income all the way up to about 320,000 of taxable income. And you're only paying a rate of 24%. Hmm. So not only is the rate lower, Again, I don't know, it's one percent difference from twenty five, but man, oh man, are the brackets a lot wider. So when I started with that example before about, you know, the two doctors that are both making a lot of money, paying a lot of local tax, state tax, have high property taxes but they're getting capped at that $10,000 salt deduction. The reason why our clients have still kind of ended up better under tax reform is for these reasons, the, the rates are lower and the brackets, particularly in that range that I just highlighted are much, much more favorable. Uh, so definitely, definitely an important concept to remember. And if you're and we have a lot of clients in that range of making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, I mean, those people are really benefiting under this new tax regime that we have in place, at least for the next several years. So very important to remember.
0: I think a lot of people, when they hear taxes talked about, really focus on just those percentages, right? Like that's the, the very high level. The political snippets are all really coming down to that percentage number but a lot more attention really needs to be paid to. That's where the, you're a detail guy, right? That's where the details are is in the brackets and how they're shaped and reworked and formed where the opportunity really starts to present itself. And it sounds like that's a nice illustration that you just ran through there of just how that happens in a, a real life example.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Walter. So, and then after 24, you, you get up to another big jump it goes from 24 to 32. So anytime you're around these larger thresholds uh, you know I certainly would prefer to pay 24 versus 32 but then after 32 it's certainly you're paying a pretty high rate but it's kind of squashed together 32 goes to 35 35 goes to 37. So there the big jumps that you have are going from 12 to 22. And then twenty four to thirty two, and that encompasses a lot of people. Um, again, you know, in retirement you can you can live like a king in Northeast Ohio, uh, having a hundred grand hitting your tax return per year, paying a you know less than ten thousand dollars in federal tax, and then living on eight grand a month. A lot of people can be pretty happy doing that, and we have a lot of clients just doing just that. Uh, but then you know, if you have a few hundred thousand dollars, that's hitting your tax return. Uh, or even several hundred thousand. Again, those, those brackets up until about 320 or so of taxable income, very, very wide and very, very favorable and low. And again, I mentioned this several times throughout the podcast series, uh, over the last year and a half, but the current law as it stands is come 2026, the tax rates are going to revert back to what they were in 2017. So, uh, we have these period of years from now in 2019 through 2025. Where what I just described is going to be the law of the land, barring any additional legislation that's passed in the interim. So what's going to happen, not only is this going to happen this year, but then we're going to have some small inflation increase next year. So um, you know these brackets are going to get a little bit more favorable. We can have a little bit more income uh, and still pay these lower rates. And that's going to keep repeating up until we get to 2026 or some legislation changes, the tax laws, whichever comes
0: first. Yep. It'll be uh, a big topic of discussion, I'm sure, as we head through the next uh, political season in 2020, uh, but also just really good from an individual perspective here to kind of realize how things got reworked, how we can take advantage of those things as well. So is that all the stuff, Kevin? We're ready for, we're ready for the next level on the next show?
1: Yeah, I tell you what, I'll, I'll go through a running list here to whet the appetite a bit. Um, uh, so some of the things that we'll talk about bunching strategies you know trying to get over the standard deduction for charitable donations using things like donor advised fund uh, maybe a charitable uh, an ira rollover or qualified charitable distribution uh, if you have required distributions coming out there's things uh, something called the net investment income tax that you got to be mindful about once you start getting over about two hundred thousand of agi if you're single or 250 if you're married we already talked about Irma, but and we kind of mentioned some uh, taking money out of Roth IRAs and kind of avoiding higher tax brackets. But a common thing that we've talked about over the years, and some other people talk about. But again, we've been doing this a long time, and we'll talk about this and about prioritizing it, about converting money, you know, from your IRA over into a Roth. But the other thing uh, that is important, too, let's say you do have some money in, say, like a, a joint account or a trust account, and you've had some growth. We've had some uh, quite a strong market here in the U.S., so you have some unrealized gains, more likely than not, in these positions. Well, if you're in that low 12% tax bracket, you know, you sell those assets, it comes out as 0% federal tax. So that's quite appealing. And then there's some credits to be mindful about too. So those are some of the things we're going to talk about, uh, but we're going to start really kind of going through a case, something we recently worked through for a new client and synthesizing all this stuff and talking about, well, we could do this or do that, which one's better and why, and actually start going ahead and moving up Bloom's Taxonomy and connecting the dots here.
0: That's what we call a tease, Kevin. That was good. They tease the next episode very well. Uh, that's a lot that we're going to lock into and walk away from. I may f- have two or three nuggets to feel smarter about on the next show. So that's, uh, that's a lot to look forward to. I got uh, a couple of good things today with uh, Bloom's Taxonomy and, uh, of course, learning a little bit more about standard and itemized deductions. Uh, if you heard something in today's show that you'd like to talk out a little bit more with Kevin or if you need some help with your own financial plan, Easy to get in touch with them and give you this information at the end of each show. You can give them a call at 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. Or you can go to truewealthdesign.com. If you're ready to talk about getting a full financial or retirement plan in place, you can speak with a certified financial planner on the team by going to truewealthdesign.com and clicking the Are We Right For You button to schedule your 15-minute intro call with an experienced member of the team. There is uh, more to come on the next edition of the show. We do hope you come back and join us for that one where we continue this conversation about taxes and dive into some of those strategies and synthesizing all this information into uh, a cohesive plan and how do we prioritize the different options that are on the table. We're going to dive into all of that next time around right back here on Retire Smarter. Kevin, until then, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Walter. All right. For Kevin Krosky, I'm Walter Sorholt, We'll talk to you next time. Be sure to join us. And don't forget to subscribe to Retire Smarter on your favorite podcasting apps as well. Talk to you again soon.